Y'all ready to preach? Y'all ready to do this? First Kings chapter 17, first Kings chapter 17, verse 8, and it reads. Then the word of the Lord came to him saying, arise and go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon and dwell there. See, key phrase, watch it. I have commanded, somebody say commanded. I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gates of the city, indeed, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called her and said, please bring me a little water in a cup that I may drink. And as she was going to get it, he called to her and said, please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. So she said, as the Lord your God lives. In other words, OMG, I do not have bread. I only have a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar. And see, I am gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat and die. This is the last I got. In the middle of a famine, it's my last meal, and then I'm going to die. And Elijah said to her, do not fear. Don't you like when people just have really dumb responses? I don't have anything. I'm about to die. Have faith in God. Don't fear. He said, do not fear. Go and do as you have said. Come on, Elijah, including the dying part. But make me a small cake from it. Somebody say first. And bring it to me. And afterwards, make some for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, the bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. I want to preach a message today called Two Miracles, One Stone. Two miracles, one stone. Let's pray. Father God, we are grateful. God, that while we were yet sinners, while we ignored you, while we thought nothing about you, that's when you loved us so much to lay your life down that we can have life and relationship with you. You said that if you did not spare your own son, how much more will you not freely give us all things? So God, today we're asking, not for more money, not for more influence, not for God. We're asking for more of you. God, we want to see you like we've never seen you before. God, use us for your glory, and we will be ever so careful to give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. In the matchless name of Jesus, we pray. Somebody shout amen and amen and amen. We are in the second week. Somebody say week two. We're in week two of not just a sermon series, but what I believe to be a new season here at Union Church called Limitless. Somebody shout at me. Somebody say Limitless. I believe that we are in a season where God is asking us to take the limits off of what he desires to do in our lives. We've, we've been believing safe. 
We've been expecting safe. We've, we've been settling for predictability. And I believe that God wants to push us, not just as a church, but as every single individual into a place where your heart just starts beating just a little bit, where your palms get sweaty just a little bit, where you begin to think, if God does not come through, I'm going to be in trouble because I didn't put myself here. I didn't even want to be here. I didn't expect to be here, but God is looking to do something great through my life. Life, somebody shout, take the limits off. Come on, you whispered that. Somebody shout, take the limits off. Last week, we announced that we are launching our first out-of-state location in Charlotte, North Carolina. Come on, Pastor Brian and Karen Bullock are going to be leading that location, preaching down there. It's going to be phenomenal. And then we also announced the launch of Union Church headquarters that we're getting ready to build in the area. It is a state of an art, state of the art facility. Uh-oh, they got it. They got it. Come on, throw it on the screen. Look at that. How nuts is that? Woo! I like how they just had me looking like I was in the building. They had like live camera and then here comes Charlotte. Come on now. God is getting ready to do above and beyond all that we could ever ask, think, or imagine. And here's what we're doing over the next three weeks. We're hearing from God. Somebody say, pray, pray. hear, hear, and obey. We're praying, asking God, God, what is it? that you would have me give over and above my tithes and offerings over the three years of building this building and launching Charlotte and launching our next location here in the Maryland area. What would you have me give towards the $15 million investment? And like I said, this is the first domino. And when this domino falls, it's literally going to hit the Columbia building, then the BWI building, then Baltimore building. And God is going to bring revival in every single area that we are, not just in Maryland, but now in Charlotte. And who knows what he's going to do next. Somebody say, I'm ready. ready. It's literally here. Pray here and obey from God. This week, people, May 15th, by the way, is the day that we're all bringing in our commitments and we're saying, God, this is what you're telling me to do. I'm obeying and all that other good stuff. And we'll talk about it more. But there was a couple of people that actually texted me this week and said, Pastor, I can't wait for the 15th. I'm in. I'm ready to go. Here's what we're giving. So watch this. We've already had over a million dollars committed. In just one week from a few text messages. Come on now. So last week I said 15. This week is 14 because people. And the deal is everybody just has to do their part. And if you would sacrifice on the level that is sacrificed for you, we uh, here's what I, I'm just going to tell you straight up what's going to happen. I think we are going to far exceed that $15 million number. And that's perfectly okay because then we can put the down payment on the Columbia land right away and start looking to build there and here building BWI and Baltimore and all that other good stuff. I think God is going to far exceed because we dare believe him for something great. Amen. I can't, next Sunday, I know 15th is Commitment Sunday. Next Sunday is a don't miss Sunday. I'm gonna preach a message next Sunday that could possibly be the most important message you've ever heard. Pastor, you're sicing it, you just know. Okay, I'm gonna tell you next, next Sunday, I'm gonna teach you how to hear the voice of God. 
Next Sunday, I'm going to teach you how to be certain. Was it the bad pizza that I ate tonight that night? Was it that I stayed up watching Batman and now I got this voice in my head or whatever it may be? How do I know that I know that I know? Because here's what the Bible says. The Bible says a double-minded man is unstable and on his ways. So if I'm in a position where God spoke, no, I don't know if it was God. God spoke. I, I, then he says, you're not going to see any results from that. So next week, I'm going to teach you how to be certain that God spoke to you, how to anchor your faith and find a peace that this is the voice of God. Amen. Amen. But today, I'm pumped. I'm preaching a message called Two Miracles, One Stone. And honestly, this is probably the, the, the life message of Stephen Chandler, next to purpose, next to destiny. When it comes to sacrificial offerings, God has moved miraculously in my life more than any other area I can experience or tell you about. And really, that's why I'm so excited about this offering. I know that God is going to more than provide. He has all the resources in the world. He has everything we need. But I'm excited for you to experience a personal miracle. Because it's one thing to hear about somebody else's miracle. It's a completely different story when you're looking at something in your life that was absolutely impossible and God made it possible. Hear me, your faith is strengthened and you're no longer pursuing God based on what you're hoping for him to do. But you kind of get to a position in your faith where it's like, God, if you don't ever do anything else for me, you've already so proven yourself to me. You've already so convinced me that you are for me that I am forever grateful. I remember the first sacrificial offering I ever gave in my life, and I thought I was going to have a heart attack. I, I was 18 years old. It was July, and I was getting ready to go off to college. I was actually working in the back of the church, in the production booth at my, my dad's church, and it was testimony time. Anybody grew up in a church where they had testimony time, where, where they would actually hand the microphone to a stranger in a service for them to say whatever they wanted to say. Hear me. There will never be testimony time at Union Church. Pastor, I have a testimony to tell. Great. Come here on a Tuesday. We will put you on camera. We will edit it and make sure you don't say anything crazy. And then we'll... Anyway, testimony time's coming up. And I... My dad's here, and I love my dad, and it was honor. I always get in trouble because I'm, you know, I'm sarcastic, and I just say crazy stuff. Testimony time always turns into complain amoni time. Yeah. It's like, where's the testimony in this? You're just telling me how miserable your life is. So this guy gets up, and, and he begins to complain. It was not a testimony. He gets up, and he says, my car engine just blew out. I have no transportation, and I actually drive myself to work. I, I drive my mother to work, and, and we're the two income earners. If we can't get to work, we won't be able to provide. And I mean, I mean just forgive me, y'all get my pastor's kids, sarcasm, just laying on just thick. I mean, just, just we won't be able to keep our jobs. We're going to lose our house. We're going to be living under a bridge with our cat named Finkles. I mean, it was, it was just, it was a story. And I remember sitting in the back of the production booth listening to this complainimony, and I'm just like, but every other Christian sent in the room. Oh, God bless him. God provide. Brother, I'm believing God with you. I'm standing in faith. Now, I'm sitting in the back of the room. I just felt the, the Holy Spirit, this small whisper. And I'll talk about it next week, how I knew it was the Holy Spirit. But I'll just give you this really quick. I knew it was the Holy Spirit because Stephen's not that generous. I just heard the Holy Spirit say, Stephen, you give him your car. 
Now you gotta understand, I was a tongue-talking, spirit-filled lover of Jesus. So I responded the way every other man of God would have responded. I said, Satan, get thee behind me. This is not God. Is this, I'm a, you guys stop staying up late on Saturday night watching movies. This is not the voice of God. Y'all, I loved that car. It was a 1996 Toyota Camry. I worked two summers in a row, paid cash for my own first car. It could do zero to 60 in 9.9 seconds. That's really slow, by the way. But it, it was just this, you give him your car. And I'm like, I'm losing my mind. And the more I ignored it, the stronger it got. To the point where it felt almost like a physical conviction. And and, and I remember, I said, I got to give this guy my car before I have a heart attack or stuff like that. And I walk up to him and he's a group of guys in the lobby and he's continuing to testify about how he's believing God. And I remember just walking up to him and saying, hey, I'll give you my car. And he said, oh, I appreciate that. I'll give it right back as soon as I figure out where my car is. He said, no, no, no. I'm not going to loan you my car. I'm going to give you my car. And he looked at me like, what? And I said, quick, take it before I change my mind. I don't know. <laughs> I remember that was honestly the first offering that I had ever given that, that, that was just like, what, 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 what have you done? Apparently in Maryland, you're not allowed to give somebody a vehicle. So I sold it to him for a dollar. Technically, I didn't give it to him. But I remember, the, this is going to be fun. Can we, have, can we have fun, Eric? So I grew up kind of watching, you know, them word of faith preachers declare. So I said, I just gave an outrageous offering. And I live by faith. So God, I want a Hummer H2 <laughs> with spinner rims and 36-inch subwoofers in the trunk. And for the next three weeks of driving my sister's car around, every Hummer I saw, I decreed and declared, that's my harvest on the seed that I've sown. (laughs) Y'all, I was 18, young in my faith, losing my mind. My dad doesn't even know this. I would wake up in the middle of the night, 11 and 12 o'clock, and run outside and check in the mailbox for the keys to my Hummer because I was just believing that God was going to put keys in the mailbox. I was going to get my Hummer. Somebody say presumption. Presumption. Y'all, Hummer never came. And here's what happens. You give a big offering. You're full of faith. You make an outrageous demand. And then depression. What? I'm I'm getting y'all ready for what you're about to experience after May 15th. What have I done? Oh, my gosh. That wasn't God. I got to go to college in three weeks, and I still work in Maryland. I got to drive back and forth. I was losing my mind. Then about two weeks before I go off to school, my dad comes to me. He said, Stephen, you would not believe what happened. My dad owned a company, and he said, one of my clients forgot to pay me. If I had time to tell you this story, I would explain to you about my dad and how nobody forgets to pay my dad. The man knows where every penny in his life goes. (laughs) You don't build a great business not knowing who owes you. And he said, a random check from nine months ago came in, and because we've already accounted for it, I don't need it. Here, go buy yourself a car. I went and bought me a 1993 Lexus LS400 illegal tint, 24-inch sub in the trunk, chrome rim. I came up freshman year at College Park like, ah. Now, I'm going to peck this message because some of you guys are already uncomfortable because you think I'm going to get ready to preach, give to get. 
And that ain't the message at all. The message is that God wants to take you to a place of faith where you're trusting him even beyond the natural fears that we face in our life. Three, three quick thoughts. Come on, be with me. Three quick thoughts. The first one is this. God's request will be unreasonable. God's request will be unreasonable. I was talking to one of our business leaders this week, and they said, Pastor, just tell me how much you want me to give. I said, I will not that you are the first pastor I've ever been to at a church that, that knew I had means and did not ask me for a specific money. I said, don't get it twisted. I'm not that humble. I said, the reason why I'm not asking you is because I'm believing that God's going to tell you a number that's so much larger than I would ever have the guts to tell you. That's why I'm saying, by the way, it's all a setup, guys. I'm sending you to God <laughs> because here's what I know. His request of you will always be unreasonable. There's certain things in scripture that are so awkward and uncomfortable. It's like watching a car accident. You just want to look away. But I'm telling you, if we would lean into the awkwardness of scripture, you would see a part of God's character that will bring you closer to him than you ever thought possible. There's a famine going on in Israel at the time. Elijah had prophesied, there will not be rain for three years. Why? Because when you turn your back on God, you turn your back on favor. And a drought begins to break out into the land. But here's what I've discovered, and it's why I'm not really worried about inflation. I'm not worried about the economy and all these other things that people who do not know Jehovah Jireh are worrying about. Because when there were plagues that were going through Egypt, God covered Goshen and Israel and he said, those plagues don't apply to you. And when there was a famine in Israel, God sent a raven to feed Elijah and said, hey, the famine of the land doesn't apply to the people of God. I wish I had some people of God who understood that the NASDAQ is not my provider, that the Dow Jones doesn't dictate my future, that Jehovah Jireh provides everything for me, and come high inflation or low inflation, come economy ups, bearish, bullish, it does not matter. God has, he's got the whole world. Come on, we learned that in Sunday school. He's, he's got my world. So there's a famine going on in Israel, but God is, literally has a Baltimore raven. And you didn't know that was God's team, did you? Stay in the Bible, Pastor. Stay in the Bible. A raven was bringing bread to Elijah every single day. Then all of a sudden, the stream dries up, and God says, go into this city. And there is a widow there, and she will provide for you. Now, Elijah comes into the city, and instantly he can tell this woman is borderline homeless. The Bible is, is intentional enough to let us know that she's picking up sticks off the ground, which means she cannot afford firewood. Chances are she was completely disheveled. And this is the woman that God sent Elijah to to say, provide for the prophet throughout this famine. Somebody say it doesn't make sense. It is borderline cruel. And you can tell how uncomfortable Elijah was because he did not have the guts to ask her for bread. 
What did God say? Hey, go, and she'll provide bread. Elijah comes and said, hey, can you get me a cup of water? He didn't ask for bread. He said, can you get me a cup of water? And when she said, oh, I, I got water. I'll go get you some water. And, and I feel like he kind of mumbled under his breath to the back of her head, and something to eat. <laughs> because, God, why would you ask me to make such an unreasonable request of someone clearly who did not have it? She turns around and she said, a morsel of bread? I promise you by God Almighty, all I have is a little bit of flour, a little bit of oil. When I make one cake for me and my son, we're going to eat it and we're going to die. I would bring you something if I had it, but I don't have anything. Why would God ask you to give something that was painful? Why would God ask you to sacrifice in a way that was unreasonable, especially based on where you were in life? Here's why in verse 14, he said this, do not fear and go and do as you have said. So do not fear and go and do as you said, but make me a small cake. Somebody say first. First from it and bring it to me. And afterwards, make some for yourself and yourself. Here's what happens sometimes. People spend so much time with Jesus, they lose their mind. They have absolutely no common sense. Hey, I'm gonna make a piece of cake for me and my son. We're gonna eat it and we're gonna die. Great, go do that. (laughs) But before you do that, Make one for me, and then go make one for you and your son. Listen, I don't want to be disrespectful to the prophet, but, uh, bruh, can I, can I say bruh? Bruh, your excellency, bruh. <laughs> Did you not hear what I just said? Ain't no make it for you, and then. It's either I make for me, and you figure it out, or I make for you, and then I die. But there is not enough for and then. Verse 14. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, the bit of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. He said, hear me. If you would obey this unrealistic command from God, there will be a miracle in your home that you never even asked. You you ever heard the phrase, killing two birds with one stone? What does it mean? It means I'm going to get two results out of one action. I'm going to take one action, but it's going to have two outcomes. Here's what God was doing in this moment, and hear me, Union Church. Here's what God wants to do in this limitless season in your life. He wants to build a building, and he wants to do a miracle in your life. He wants to launch a campus in Charlotte, and he wants to do a miracle in your life. Somebody say amen. Amen. Well, why don't he just do the miracle in my life and build the building? Why he got to read me out in the process? Because God understands that he cannot supersede the laws that he placed in the earth. And one of the laws that he placed on the earth is the law of faith. That a mir- <sighs> that miracles don't come where there's need. Miracles don't come where there's sickness. Miracles don't come where there's lack. Miracles only come where there's faith. 
Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 says this, but without faith, it is impossible. Not unlikely, not difficult, not stressful. It is impossible to please him for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Here's why God is asking an unrealistic ask of this widow and of you because he's trying to activate your faith. He's trying to get your faith alive so that he can actually do a miracle in your life the way that he wants to do a miracle in your life. Here's my ask for the entire church. Don't just hear from God and say, hey, here's what he told me to give. Here's what I'm giving over the next three years. Figure out what's the miracle that you're believing God for. Saying, God, I am giving unrealistically according to this miracle. And watch me. I'm not buying a miracle from God. Because he's not a genie, you can't rub him the right way. And he just pops out and says, here, three requests, let me know. Miracles don't follow money. Miracles follow obedience. That's why if God tells you to give $500, give $500. If God tells you to give $5 million, give $5. The number doesn't matter. The obedience is what matters. And I'm imploring the entire church, don't just hear a number from God, hear a miracle from God. I'm believing that in spite of what the doctor says, me and my spouse are going to be able to have a child. I'm believing that this business that I'm running by myself, it's not really a business, it's just that I own my own job, is going to explode and I'm going to have 15 and 16 and 17 different employees. I'm believing that me and that sibling that haven't spoken for seven years will be reconciled and be able to forgive and mend that relationship. What is the miracle that you're believing for God as a result? Not just of your offering, but of your obedience. Here's the thing. God's request of this widow seemed unrealistic. Why would you ask somebody who was clearly impoverished, clearly getting ready to die to give up their, you know what was unrealistic? What was unrealistic was the idea of I'm going to eat and die when faith is available. She said, I am literally going to eat this and just give myself over to death because I have no other options. It makes sense in the natural, but in the spiritual, when you have access to faith, why is death ever an option? And as I was preparing for this message, just began to think, how many people have put dreams that they had in their life to death because you didn't see how it could ever work out in the natural? Divorce papers prepped. I haven't filed them yet. I'm just waiting for one last knockdown, drag out fight. There's no way that this can be redeemed. In the natural, it can. When you're talking about a God that takes hearts of stone, And turns them back to flesh. That calls things that are not as though they are. Could it be that it's not his request that's unrealistic. It's our discouragement. That's unrealistic. Second thing I want you to write down is this. Second thing I want you to write down is this. Obeying will be terrifying. I just need to add the word always to all of these. And I hate to make absolute statements. But God's request will always be unrealistic. And obeying will always be terrifying. Look, look, look what he said. He said, after you are finished, make some for yourself and your son. He said, here's the thing. Make some for me first, and then make some for yourself and your son. Y'all don't read the Bible right. 
Because if you read the Bible right, you would understand what was going through this widow's mind. I'm sitting there. Y'all got it. Steve is just ignorant. I'm sitting here like, okay. So I'm providing for the prophet. God's going to do a miracle for me. I'm not going to starve in the middle of this family. Great news because I was getting ready to die. But Mr. Prophet, sir, got a question for you. Why is it that I've got to make you the first cake and me and my son the second cake? If God is going to multiply it, he can multiply it. So how about I make me the first cake, my son, and then after he multiplies, I just not even in my notes. I'm just, I'm just not allowed to have. Can I tell you how many people have come, Pastor? When my business blows up, yeah. oh, wait to see the offering. I'm gonna write the church. Yeah. And you, I'm a pastor, so I'm not allowed to actually be Stephen when I'm a pastor. So I'm just like, <laughs> liar. <laughs> no, 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 no. Because obeying God is never easy. Yeah. Obeying God is never. It will always require. <laughs> If you're not nauseous, as you write down your commitment, I'm just promising. You, you need to be there with your friend or your spouse just like, are you sure this is God? When we were moving in, and, and I'm, I'm having fun, and let me tell you why I'm having fun. Because I'm not just preaching it, I've lived it. This is not, hey, you people. You hear from God and you give. This is me and my wife for the last nine years sitting down. What did God tell you? Are you sure? Them kids better be smart because they ain't going to go to college off of this. this is... Five years ago, we were moving into the Columbia building. And it was kind of the same season. Hey, we need an offering. We need an offering. Hear from God. Obey and respond. And I remember I prayed and Zai prayed and we prayed separately. And I heard a God that on, a, a word, honestly, that was scary for me. And then I go and I sit down with Zai and I said, babe, what, what, what is it that God is telling you? And in that season, we were living in, in, in a townhouse and we we're believing God for a single family home. And we had saved up for the last three years for a down payment on our home, but we just couldn't find the right home. Everything was expensive, I'll be honest with you. And she said, pastor, I mean, not pastor, she don't call me pastor. She said, Stephen. <laughs> She says, Stephen, I think God is telling us to give our down payment in the offering. Now, because I'd already given sacrificial offerings, I had language for this moment. Satan, get thee behind me. I said, babe, what? Now, what's exciting is my faith was more mature at this point. I had seen God move over and over and over and over again. So as soon as I was able to breathe again, I put the brown paper bag down and I said, okay, let's do it. What's the worst that could happen? I remember in that moment, God said, I'm trying to teach you something. I'm going to teach you the difference between bread and seed. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 10 says this, Now may he who supplies seed... To the sower, somebody say seed, and bread for food, somebody say bread, supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. Jehovah Jireh, our provider, God says I'll provide everything that you need, but not everything I give you is the same. Some of it is seed to be sown, somebody say seed, some of it is bread 
to be eaten. God will provide everything that you need. It's your job to hear from him about what is seed and what's bread. Don't give your bread in an offering. And don't eat your seed because you won't have a harvest for the future. And I got to be very careful over these three weeks. And I'm, I'm going to preach it so clean and so clear that even a skeptic can't so throw rocks. I'm not telling you to give the down payment of your house to God. God's what he told me. That ain't what he told you. You, you found your house? Go close. Walk in the house? Thank you, Jesus. Because he's giving you bread for the needs of your house. You heard me talk about last week. Somebody said, hey, I'm giving my rent money. You know what we did? We gave it back. Because that's not seed. It's bread. What's a seed? It's something that I need, but it's too small to fill me. Does that make sense? It's something that I need, but it's too small to fill me. So we needed a bigger down payment, but we didn't have one. So it must not be the provision of God. It must not be the right timing. This must be C. I need 100,000 to launch my business, but I only have 25. I need, so it's not enough to provide for my need. Then it must be C. So she said, I, I, think, I think God's calling us to give the down payment in our house. So we did in the offering God into the Columbia building. You guys know, I'm going to keep it 100 with you. For the next two years... I did not see a miracle connected to that seed that I sowed. We saved every penny of our down payment back up again. I remember sitting down with Zai one night, and I said, babe, I have not, this was two years after sowing that, I said, I have not seen a miracle comparable to what we gave in that offering according to our sacrifice. And I love my wife. She is so much godlier than I am. She said, babe, what do you mean? The church has doubled ever since we gave that offering. I said, that ain't my church, and that ain't my miracle. I'm so glad that the church has doubled and people are getting saved. But it's God's church, it's his people, it's his miracle. No offense, but that is not why I gave this offering. Is that too real for you? Listen, I ain't trying to sow money and get back souls. Well, thank you, Jesus, but it ain't got nothing to do with me. I'm just, I'm just one of those guys, and one of the days that I'm going to teach about faith, but I'm just one of those guys where I'm just in every area of my life, not just the church. I'm just pushing God to the limit. What can you do? And I remember it was two years after that. We had saved up our down payment again. We're, we're looking for houses, and, and we see this house on the market, and it was like the mama I made it house. You, you, you know what I mean? Like, you drive by, you're just like, bro, whose house is that? And, it, and I was like, babe, there's an open house. Let's go. And she's like, we can't afford that. And I said, but they'll never know. <laughs> it's an open house. So she, she's uncomfortable. I was like, let's go, let's go, let's go. And, and I said, babe, put on all the Burberry I bought you. Put just, we got to look like we belong here. <laughs> Listen, you can't. <laughs> I got a little word of faith in me. So we, we get dressed up. We put on our best. We go to this open house. It's in January. We're walking through. And y'all got, I was acting up, y'all. I'm walking through this house with a real term. like, ah. It's all right. I'd have to knock that wall out. I'd have to tear this down. And this is, I don't know what this. I remember we walked through the house and I stand on the elevator and said, what do you think? I'm like, ah, I don't know. It needs a lot of work. It's pretty much a complete gut. 
Y'all, the house was perfect. I said, it's just not our taste. How, how flexible are they on the price? And he pauses, hear me. I'm, I'm going to teach a business class one day. If you get them to pause, you got them. He pauses. All right, I'm in love with you. He said, this is not even my listing. I'm just here because the person who listed it is tired of showing it. It's been on the market for two years. By the way, this was not 2022. This was back when real estate was realistic. And he said, if you put in an offer, I mean any offer, they'll at least consider it. I walk out, I said, babe, they said any offer. <laughs> she said, well, we, we still have the mortgage on the townhouse. Okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to put the townhouse on the market. And when it sells, if that's still available, we'll put an offer. Y'all, I painted that townhouse myself, got that thing ready, threw it on the market. <laughs> we'll take anything. <laughs> the townhouse sold in three days. In the four weeks that it took for us to get the townhouse up and ready for sale, they dropped the price on that house 35%. Long story short, we got the house. And then you drive by the house, you're like, man, pastor's balling. No, I just use faith. That house went on the market the same season where we put that offering in. And over those two years of God, you're not doing anything. God, I don't see anything. God, there's no response to my miracle. My seed is growing and growing and growing and growing and growing and growing and growing. And I never got a check in the mail, but the amount of money that that house dropped, watch this, was 10 times the offering that we sold to the penny. It, it, it will always be terrifying obeying God. Hear me. We're going to jump all over wisdom next week. It's going to be good. Don't be sowing no bread. Like that's why it's important to hear from God. As I said, if I get my mortgage payment, he's going to pay off my mortgage. No, I didn't say that. And neither did God. Come on now. When I hear from God, and I respond. Here's what David said in Samuel, 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel 24, 24. Samuel's looking to do an offering unto God. And he says, I need a land to build an altar. They're like, bro, you David. You the man. Any land you see, you can have it. The king said to him, no. Here's what David said. He said, I will not have it as a gift. He said, don't give me the land for free. I must buy it. For I don't want to offer to the Lord, my God, a burnt offering that costs me nothing. David's here buying the land or giving an offering up to God. They said, don't buy it. You're the king. We'll just give. By the way, they weren't being generous. They knew if I'm in with the king, I'm in. I don't got to pay taxes. I ain't got to worry about getting robbed like the king got me. David said, no, 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 no. I am not going to re-gift the gift. Come on now. How many of you heathens in here? Somebody give you a gift that you hate. Three months later, you buy a brand new bag, brand new stuffing, put that ugly gift in a bag, stuff it up, and go out to that birthday. Hey, I got you, sir. You liar. You didn't like it. What makes you think they're going to like it? But I wonder how many times we walk up to God with an offering. It's not sacrifice. 
It's not terrifying. It's not painful. It, no, 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 no. I will not offer God something that does not cost me. So, so here's what this limitless offering should be. It should be something that you have to delay some of your plans for. That I was going to go on vacation, but because of this offering, I'm not going on vacation this year. We, we just, we, we just going to pastor for us. If I don't feel it, it doesn't require faith. Okay, can, can I give you some things, practical things to think about? First is delay. Because of this offering, I'm going to have to, it's not that I'm never going to do it. I'm just going to do it 18 months later than I thought I was going to. Makes it, so decrease. Come on now. I, I might have to decrease some of my retirement investing. I, oh, he's talking about a sacrifice, Karen. It's just, oh, sheesh. Just, no, no, no. This, this, this is limitless. This is not about a building. This is about God. I'm going to respond to whatever you say. Let me say, do more of. How, how crazy would it be if a college student got a summer job for their offering? Crickets, crickets, crickets. Come on now. Hey, I work here. I'm going to drive Uber for six months. Everything I make off of Uber. Boy, it's quiet up in this Methodist church. It's tight, but it's right. Come on now. Or donate. Come on now. You have seven rental properties. How about you give one to God? I'm just playing with crypto over here. God takes crypto. I would say he'd take your NFT, but I don't actually know what that is, so you would know. Last thing is this. It's bigger than you think. It's bigger than you think. Here's the whole point of the message. God can build this building and launch Charlotte without you, just like he could have fed Elijah without the widow. The reason why he's including you is because he wants you to experience a miracle along with the miracle that he's doing for the kingdom of God. And when you experience a miracle along with what he's doing with the kingdom of God, your relationship with him, your trust in him, your faith in him goes to a whole nother level. I'm I'm, I'm 35 right now. I gave my first heart-stopping gift when I was 18. And it's kind of been a journey. The Lexus that I bought, I was so excited about. God told me to give that away too, and I gave that away. I've given three cars away since that, and offerings and all that other kind of stuff. Me and my wife tithe 20% every year. We we do it just just generous because you can never out-give God. But I'm I'm just, this is why I was so excited to preach this message. I'm I'm just going to take you on Stephen's journey and then allow God to speak to you through that. I said, God, I never want to be the pastor who's telling 10-year-old stories about, let me tell you about that time that I believed God seven years ago and he came through. I said, I I, want to be the person that is always on the edge of my faith. And it's not, here's what God did three years ago. Here's how God spoke to me five years ago. Here's what God did, you know, back in 2011. But here's the current, can I give you the current miracle? And this is seed, this is not yet a harvest. 2021, we did pray 21, write down the miracles that you believe in God for. One of the miracles that I wrote down is that, God, I want a book deal. I want to be able to write a book 
And God, I'm believing for a multiple book deal, two books, with a six-figure advance. I just get real specific with my prayer, so that's what I wrote down. So I wrote down, and you know, this is, this is my stretch, faith deal, all that other good stuff. Had the book, had the agent, did the pitch, all that other kind of stuff. They pitched it to all these different publishers. The first offer comes back for one book, six figures. One book. So talk about exceeding above and beyond all that you could ever ask, think, or imagine. I was planning on negotiating the six figures. Their first offer was I was saying, I'll take six figures for two books. They said, no, we'll give it to you for one. I called Zai. I was like, babe, mama, we made it. Pack your bag. We going to Hawaii. And she, I mean, this is a different message for a different. You better marry you somebody of faith. You better marry you somebody of faith. So she's celebrating. And you know how you can tell somebody's celebrating, but not with the gusto that you're celebrating. You're like, yes, I paid. That's awesome. That's great. And then after the pause, listen, when you're negotiating and they pause, it's great. But when the pause is headed at you, and she said, hey, babe, remember three years ago when we were just kind of talking and praying? And we said that if God ever blessed us with a book, that we would give the first one to him? <laughs> I felt like that prophet that said, the first thing that comes out my front door, God, I'll give it to you. And then his daughter walks out. I'm like, I meant to say, Tim, I don't know how honest I'm about allowed to be in the church. I said, I remember... <laughs> I said, but babe, it wasn't like a promise. <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't like God told us to do it. We volunteered. He said, I think we should keep our word. I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe I'm being too honest. And boy, the only problem with marrying somebody of faith is they will rebuke the snot out of you. She said, you know why you're so concerned? Because you don't know if there's going to be a second book. She was right. I went into a two-book deal because I didn't have faith that the first one would do well. And if the first one doesn't do well, they're locked in on two. So we got to do the second one. So I got two shots at it. She, my wife looked at me, the man of God, and said, you don't have enough faith. If God can provide a first, he'll provide a second. I said, and this was a 10-minute conversation. We didn't pray about it. We're like, okay, we said we're going to do it. We're going to do it. First book belongs to God. We didn't write any contracts. Like that. We just said, first book belongs to God. 24 hours later, offers start coming in from five different publishers. Agent calls everybody and says, hey, we're not even going to counter you. We got five offers. See me, son. <laughs> so everybody come back with their best and final. They come back with their best and final. It's a two-book deal, multiples upon multiples upon multiples of the first offer, and we never counter. Now my wife is screaming and running around the house and going crazy. <laughs> and I believe that it is because we said, God, the first belongs to you, even if there's not a promise of a second. And just so I wouldn't be tempted, I didn't like, okay, every time I get money, I'm going to send it to the church. We signed the book over to the church. 
every time this book sells, it's going towards Limitless. By the way, y'all want to see the book? Yeah. <sighs> Ain't nobody have seen this yet, but this is the cover of... Come on now. How nuts is... Isn't that crazy? Stop waiting. We'll talk about it. We'll sit down, 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 sit down. Come on now. So because everything from this book is going to the building, y'all ain't never seen nobody hustle book before, bro. I'm telling you, we about to sell this book to everybody and grandma. First Kings chapter 17, verse 17, it says this. Now it happened after these things. After what thing? By the way, the flour and the oil grew exponentially until the famine was over. Somebody say miracle. miracle. Now it happened after these things that the son of the woman who owned the house became sick. And his sickness was so serious that there was no breath left in him. So she said to Elijah, what have I to do with you, O man of God? Have you come to me to bring my sin to remembrance and to kill my son? And he said to her, give me your son. So he took him out of her arms and carried him up to the upper room where he was staying and laid hands on him on his own bed. So somebody say, there's a widow who had nothing. The prophet said, take the nothing and feed the house of God. And God did a miracle in her home. How many people could do with a miracle in your home? Somebody just say amen. amen. Somebody say the miracle's over. Fast forward, her son dies. And in her grief, looking at a dead thing, she began to think, I've seen miracles before. And I know how miracles happen. If I could just get to the man of God, maybe God could do a miracle here. Watch this. Where it counts, because I saw him do a miracle in something that I didn't even ask for. And she goes back to the source of her miracle when it's actually a matter of life and death, when she actually needs her faith to work and says, what can you do about this? And God raised that boy to life. Y'all, it was never about the flour. It was never about the oil. It was never about the house. It was never about the promotion. It was never about the first miracle. It was always about God saying, I've got to build that faith muscle. And I've got to make sure that you know how to work your faith. Because you may think working your faith for a new job is no big deal. You may think working your faith for a house is no big deal. You may think that working your faith for a vacation is no big deal. But when it comes to cancer, when it comes to diabetes, when it comes to when you actually need me to move, you're not going to all freak out saying, oh my God, I don't deserve this. You're going to say, I know how to work my faith. I've seen him call things that are not as though they are. I've seen him look at dead things and breathe them to life. I know what to do to lift my hands and say, hey, I'm calling on the God that responded at Limitless. I'm calling on the God that responded back in college. I'm calling on the God that responded in the Columbia building. You said that you cannot change and you do not change your mind, but you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. 
Here is why God is asking you to obey in a terrifying way. Because there's going to be a season in your life where you need your faith. And are you going to call on the God of the Bible or somebody else's experience? Or are you going to be able to say, no, I tested God. I've proven God. I've seen him move in my life. And if he did it then, he could do it right here. You in church, I'm, you can't tell I'm excited. Because I know miracles are going to start popping out in your life as you obey God in ways that will blow your mind. But just hear me. The first miracle will not be the best miracle. The first miracle is you obeyed. Here's a miracle. The best miracle is going to be when you actually need your faith. And you've been in the gym just, just building. You can tell I have not been in the gym. <laughs> Don't laugh. That's not funny. When you need it, and you actually have something your faith needs to lift. It's going to be there. You're going to see God moving away when you need him to. Like you never thought possible. Father God, thank you. This is a weird prayer, but God, thank you for your unrealistic request. Thank you for including us in what you were already doing without us. But God, you saw fit to include us because you said, hey, you want us to experience your miraculous hand as you do it in your church. God, give us a sensitivity to your voice. Give us boldness to obey. And give us perseverance to wait for the harvest, even if it takes two years. Just we are with your eyes closed and your head bowed. If you could pray this prayer for me, say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? Just give God a moment, a time to make this message personal to you. I said this over and over and over and over again. The greatest offering that you could ever give God is not your money. It's your life. You can always make more money. You can never make another life. The reality is, him hanging on the cross was him purchasing our life back from sin, back from brokenness, back from hell. And he's just waiting for us to respond. So wherever you find yourself, whether watching a line or in this room, Baltimore, Columbia Flowers, wherever you are, if you know in your heart of hearts that I don't belong to God, notice I'm not asking, do you believe in God? Because there's a lot of people who believe in God, but they do not belong to God. Or if you find yourself, you say, Pastor, I know I don't belong to God, but I want to. I want his hand on my life. I want him walking with me. I want to spend eternity with him. If that's you right where you're sitting, can you pray this prayer with me? Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me, for seeing me. Thank you for your sacrifice on the cross, for shedding your blood so that all my sin, all my mistakes can be erased. Today, I surrender. I give you all of me. Be my Lord, be my Savior, and use me for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. Come on, church.